looking at the Word of God together today. I hope you've been enjoying um, and benefiting from the sermons that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Um, hopefully you always get that. But we've been devoting time these last number of weeks to what we're calling the harvest, to, um, to understanding that God, God's plan for his people is that when we come to know him as Savior and Lord, Savior and Lord then we get the incredible opportunity to help other people come to dis- discover the same thing. I've heard one person describe it like this, that coming to Jesus is like one beggar who finds bread sharing what he found with another beggar. That's really a great example, illustration of what, of what uh, Christianity is and what harvest is. Harvest is when we, are we showing somebody, look at what I found, I want you to find the same thing. And so we've been talking about of the harvest, of bringing people into the family of God. And what we've been doing the last number of weeks, or I've been trying to do, is to help us get better equipped to help other people find their ultimate purpose in life, for them to become the children of God. And we're finding this out over the last number of weeks, that it takes, it takes effort, that it takes intentionality, it takes some practice with some things. Last week I drew some pictures on how you can illustrate and explain the, the gospel to people. I'm going to draw you something at the very end today, and I'm no artist, but I'm going to draw you something that's going to help you at the very end of the service today. Um, and so we've been giving you these, these tools and saying, how can I be more used by God to help other people that I rub shoulders with every day? Not strangers necessarily, people that I, that I really like and love because I know them. They're my friends, they're my family, but they've yet to understand the most important message in the world. That's that Jesus loves them, that God loves them, and that he's not mad at them, and he has, that he wants to welcome them into their family, and that he wants to to embrace them and and to wash their sins away and make them brand new and set them on an eternity with him where he's their Lord and their Savior, that that, that when they come into the family of God, that we get to be part of God doing that in people's lives. So we've been trying to kind of hone our tools and get better at that because we learn something. People matter to God, don't they? If they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. And so this is the most important thing we can ever practice. And and we've been using a theme verse for this... um, for this harvest series. It's from John chapter 4, verse 35. You can probably quote it with me by now, and I want us to read it together as we have in the last number of weeks. It says this, John 4, 35. Say it with me. Do not say there are yet four months, and then comes a harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. And Jesus told that story when he was talking about with a lady, called the lady at the well, who was far from God. And he was explaining how she could become a follower of his. And in the story, she becomes a follower of Jesus. And she actually leads a whole lot of other people into being followers of Jesus. And and this one little excerpt from there, from John 4, basically says this to us. It says, look up. Stop doing what you're doing and realize that it's harvest time. And that's what we want to key in on today. It's harvest time. And as we've been doing this, talking about harvest over these last few weeks... We've always, I've started every service off with, a, with what I call a harvest story. A story about how someone has come to meet Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Some have been from my life, some have been from Scripture. And today I want to share a, a video harvest story that's just cute. And when I heard it, I said, we need this for our service. So let's play this harvest story. Paul, we've been doing a series on Sunday mornings about harvest. 
And uh, we've been talking about how God wants to use us to, to bring in a harvest of souls around here. And so with, with most of the sermons, we've been telling a harvest story, some from Scripture, some from um, real-life experience. And the other day in our staff meeting, you shared a story um, about your son Anthony that was a harvest story. And when you shared it, I just I remember asking, say, would you share that for our church? So um, I would just like you to just talk to us about what happened with Anthony the other day when you were at home. Yeah, you know, it's actually a really neat story. It was the night of our Connect group, and we were watching something on Right Now Media that we were going to be showing that night for our Connect group, and it had to do with harvest, actually. It was testimonies of of three different people, and they were sharing their testimonies. And during one of the testimonies, Anthony came into the room, and he saw what I was doing, sat down on the couch, and he just started watching him with me. And so we were going through the first one, and and, and he turns to me after the lady was kind of paused talking, and he said, you know, Dad, I've, I really thought about that a lot, too. That's a question that I have. And not knowing what he was referring to, I said, well, what, what's that, Anthony? And he said, you know, am I going to go to heaven? Am I really going to go to heaven? And, um, and so I was obviously really intrigued because I thought, you know, when he was younger that he had prayed to ask Jesus into his heart. And, um, and so I, I brought that up to him and he said, Dad, but I don't remember. Mm, I don't real. remember praying that. And so, and, and that really struck me. And so uh, he said, you know what, when, when we go into my room tonight and we pray, we typically pray with them before they go to bed. He said, I might want to do that tonight. And so, of course, being the anxious parent, I want to jump all over it. <laughs> and, and, wow. uh, right. And, and say, well, Anthony, do you want to pray right now? And he said, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to. And, of course, I thought I may have missed an opportunity. But um, So I just I let it go and but made sure I kept it in the back of my mind. So we had our Connect group that night, and it was a blast. Love our Connect group. And... Um, so then the house was a mess and kids needed to get ready for school and all of that was happening and and so the kids were going to bed a little late but I remembered that Anthony had mentioned that and so I told Kristen about it and we went in his room and I said, Anthony, you know, earlier we had talked and you were wondering about this and, we, you know, we had talked through it a little bit and I said, Is, were you wanting to pray tonight to receive Jesus or become a committed follower of Jesus tonight? And he said yeah, Dad, I think I really want to do that. And so Kristen and I probably explained way too much of you know, what is <laughs> salvation and, and what he's really doing. You really want him to get it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he prayed. We wanted him to pray. Right. And uh, and, and he prayed. And, and in his prayer, he was, he was very adamant about what he was praying. And this was one part that I'll never forget. He said, God, I know it's going to be really hard. And he started like, crying. He started, I mean, he, you know, really understood, I think, what was going on. And he said, I know it's going to be really hard, but I am committing to be a follower of you for the rest of my life. That's awesome. And of course, Kristen and I just wanted to start bawling right Right. there. And I wouldn't (laughs) just get caught up in it. But it it really was an incredible story. And, um, and it was just so awesome to be a part of it. I mean, I think it's every parent's dream to be able to be a part of or be there when their kid, you know, accepts Christ. And so um, and so to have my eight-and-a-half-year-old, you know, he knows for sure now and he remembers. And, and, and so to have that um, and be a part of that story is actually really quite a, an honor and a privilege. And, um, you know, now we're going to be praying for Elena. Right. So. 
what a great harvest story. You know, that's what it's all about. I know when we when talking about harvest, we're looking so much at reaching friends and family members and co-workers who don't know Christ. But the harvest starts in, in the home. Right. Matter of fact, that's the most important place that the harvest starts. And for us as parents to take seriously um, reaching our kids for Christ, that's what it's all about. And so uh, what an awesome thing to be able to do that. Um, and uh, to be able to you know, pray with your child to come to Christ and to just know they're, they're ready, they're set. And for him to be uh, serious about it and say, you know, I know this is going to be hard. Right. You know, it is going to be hard. He's, he's living in a, in a rotten world and it's right. hard to serve Jesus sometimes. But it's the only thing. Right. So, uh, you know, that's what the harvest is all about. Leading people to Christ. So we change families. And most families then just infiltrate our community and change other families. That's, right. that's what it's all about. So, hey, right. thanks for sharing your harvest story. Thank you. What a great harvest story. Huh? What a great are you crying again? <laughs> the reason I started uh, with this harvest story is to emphasize what we said at the very end there that the harvest bringing people into the family of God starts in the home. It starts with the family. And and I want to use that to segue to something that we're gonna look at today that, that a big part of that harvest being effective is your church. It's the church that you and your family are a part of. That Port View had a huge influence on Anthony. Matter of fact, um, Paul talked about how they were preparing for their connect group, and he was going through materials. And, and, and you know, the church structure, the church ministry, had a lot to do with Anthony coming to this point. Because the church serves to reinforce what you teach at home. It's so, it's so vital that, that you're trying to teach right things to your kids, but there's all these other voices in the world telling them contrary messages. The church reinforces what you teach them at, at home. And so it reinforces, and kids grow up. When they grow up in, the, in a great church, they hear from the people all around them um, that same message that you're communicating to them, that Jesus loves them, that he wants them to, to commit their lives to following him and knowing him and, and, and following his leadership. And then there's all these examples of people doing that all around them every single week when they come and they, and they meet together. So they just understand, this is right and this is normal. But the church family reinforces and teaches your children and your grandchildren about the faith, leading them to become part of the harvest. Now, I think as a congregation that we get this about the church. And the harvest. I think that link between the home and the church is something that we is a high priority for us, and I think we get it. And it's so wonderful to see. It's so wonderful to see a, a story like Anthony's story, and so many other stories that we that we get to see, where together as a family in the church, we're leading our kids and our grandkids um, to Jesus, and then watching them walk out the faith in the world. You go, hey, you ought to be having an Operation Christmas Child shoebox, and you go, we already did it, and you're going, yes. It works. They're walking it out in the world. That's harvest. It's great. And the church is a vital link in that chain. Paul and Christian would tell you it was a super important link in the chain for Anthony saying, I want to be serious about serving Jesus. Now, I think we get that. But I want you to understand something else about the church today. That the church is also a vital link in another dimension of the harvest. I want to focus on on the church today. We haven't thought about that. We've thought about the heart of the harvester, the message of the harvester, you know, um, the style of the harvester. But today I want to talk about the church 
of the harvester. And I want you to think about it like this. Think that, that about that as you are writing a harvest story of your own. We watch harvest stories every week. That was a harvest story. You're, you're involved in the drama of life, and you are writing a harvest story of your own. And maybe it goes something like this, that you are building a relationship with someone who is either kind of near to God or maybe knows God a little bit or is, is, is really far from God. And the reason you're doing that is because you have a heart that has been motivated to action because you know, as we've been saying, that all people matter to God. So you're building a relationship. That was one of the things we talked about two weeks ago. And I had a great illustration of this this week that somebody just mentioned it um, in passing, and I said, I'm going to use that in my, in my sermon this week. And they were talking about how they're building a relationship that every day they go to the same coffee shop. And they've been connecting with this one person. And so, so just to build a better relationship, this person was make, doing some baking at home and took some of the things that they were baking and, um, and gave it to the person and said, I just made this and I was thinking about you. And it was interesting, gave them some of these baked goods at the coffee shop they go into every single day. And the person said this interesting thing. They said, I learned more about that person after that than all the years that I have been going to the coffee shop previously. Because I said, I've been, I've been involved, I, I was building a relationship, and I did it intentionally. So as you're writing your harvest story, that person's writing their harvest story, um, they're building a relationship with someone, in that case, someone who probably doesn't know the Lord at all. And as you're building relationships and you're investing time into people who probably don't know Jesus, and you're listening for the Holy Spirit's leading, saying, God, how can I help this person? Maybe you've done something like we, we talked about last week where you're trying to, your conversation evolves and you start talking about spiritual matters. You kind of push the door open to see where are they at spiritually. And, and they re, you recognize and they admit, I don't really know. So maybe you took a risk and you, you drew the bridge illustration like we did last week. Or you, you talked about the, the Romans road, how the Bible explains what salvation is all about. But maybe you haven't gotten that far yet. But you're building a relationship and you're doing your best to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And now as you've built that relationship, you, comp- you feel compelled to do something. And, and I often feel compelled to do this. You feel compelled to invite that person to Portview with you. You feel compelled to invite that person to your church. And the question I would ask ourselves today is why? We don't believe that we're the only people with answers. Why would you believe that this voice inside of you is saying that you should invite that person to church. Why did the Holy Spirit compel you to do that? It's for a very real reason. It's because the church, the local church, in this day and age, a lot of people don't really value the local church. Statistics say people don't go regularly. They don't. They don't go regularly. A lot of people don't go at all, even though they would say they're Christians. But God designed the local church because the church is another one of the tools that God uses to help you be a better harvester. It's a harvest tool that we want to look at this week. See, God uses his church to help people come to know and understand him better. God uses the church to answer questions people may have. God uses the church to reveal his love and his grace to people. And God reaches people through his church in ways that can't happen any other way. It's his plan. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said this, I will build my what? Church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He understood that the church is a harvest tool. And maybe that's why some of you are even here today. Maybe God wants to show you through this church, through this group of people, something very, very important to you. He wants to show you that he loves you. 
You see, what one thing that happens, happens at a church is a whole group of strangers you've never met before suddenly are really nice to you, and they have no reason to be that way. They get nothing for it. You know, they hand you a cup of coffee. They treat you with dignity and respect. They ask you your name. Why would somebody do that? The world doesn't do that. Why would somebody do that? Because God wants to reveal to people when they, when they come into the church that he loves them, and he shows that love through us. Maybe that's why some of you are here today. Maybe you're here today because he wants to show you through this group of people who have come out of every imaginable type of lifestyle, good lifestyles, bad lifestyles, incredibly messy lifestyles, that God loves everyone without conditions. You go, man, if God loves that person, God can love me. Maybe you're here today because God wants to answer some questions that you have about Christianity that will help you on your spiritual journey. This is a safe place to ask questions. You go, but you know, something doesn't make sense to me about this whole Christian thing. This is the place to ask. That's why God's created the church. That's why we are here. This is one of the most important reasons the church exists, to help people who don't yet know God to come to know God. The church is a harvest tool. And as such a tool, there are some very important things that God intends for the church to accomplish. He says, these are some things I want to see you guys work on and accomplish as my followers so that my church can be an effective harvest tool. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about five things. I'll go through them quickly, but five things that that God wants because I not only want you to understand these things, but we need to understand that for these things to be accomplished, we as the body of Christ have to partner together to accomplish these things. The things I'm going to talk about today are things that I cannot do and our paid staff cannot do. There are things that, are, that God wants to develop through us as we work together to accomplish great things for the harvest that only happens all of us get integrated together into the operation of the church so that he can then use us as a congregation to help the harvest, help your friends and family come to know Jesus so that when you bring people to Portview, there are some, some of the things that God wants your friends and your family members to experience so they can really have an encounter and come to, with Jesus and come to know God. So that's what I answer, five things, five things that ought to happen when somebody comes to church. When someone comes with you, they don't remember this, they don't walk in off the street. People come to church because somebody brings them. So when you bring someone with you, what should, they, what should happen with them? What should they experience? Number one, God wants them to experience authentic Christian community. Understand what I mean by that. God wants to show people that it is possible for a group of dissimilar people. You know what? We don't have a lot in common. I've often thought about this about church. You know, I can't believe, Pastor, you just said this. But if it wasn't for Christ, I wouldn't be friends with most people that are in the church. And you wouldn't be friends. We get totally different hobbies. A lot of you don't like the fact, you know, you'd say, I'm not sitting in a tree with a bull to kill deer. I think it's awesome. Some of you think it's the stupidest thing. My wife thinks it's stupid. You know, she's like, it's freezing cold. The bugs eat you sometimes. And it's boring. And I'm like, no, it's all, it's all worth it for the thrill of that couple seconds. By the way, Brett shot a six-pointer last night. So um, good for Brett. He's not here. So uh, with his ball. But God wants to show you that it's possible for a group of people who are totally dissimilar, different race, different economic background, different educational background, different likes, different dislikes, to that group of people to come together on a regular basis and to love each other. And beyond that, to like each other. 
You know, love is willing to good towards another person. You can love them, but that's an action. But like is a feeling. That you actually like each other. That you're a bunch of dissimilar people who, who can, that we, we encourage to, we encourage diversity. That's why we have a Spanish service. You know, that then when we started the Spanish service, that they were always integrated into our congregation, but it grew and they weren't, wasn't working anymore to translate. But I told them when we start the service, one thing we're going to do is we're all going to stay together all the time. So they're always in the, sanctuary, in the cafe beforehand. Why? Dissimilar people actually getting along and liking each other, taking care of each other, loving each other, not abusing each other, not taking advantage of each other. God wants to reveal what you just don't see anywhere else in the world today. That's filled with selfishness, self-centeredness, people having their own agendas. That a whole bunch of dissimilar people can get together and really love each other. That that's real love. Do you know that every time you come into this place, every single time, you have an opportunity to reveal the love of God towards a person who may need exactly that today? That if they only believed that God really loved them, they would respond to the Lord? You have an opportunity to be God's hands and feet expressing that every single time you come to church, in order for somebody, it might just be the thing it takes for that person to say, I really buy into this gospel message. I want to give my life to Christ. God wants people to experience authentic Christian community when they come into our church. That's, that's the first thing they ought to experience when they come here. What's the second thing? What else? What else should people experience when they come to Portia? Number two is this. They should be blessed through the ministries of our church. They should be blessed through the ministry of our church. Imagine this. This is imaginary, but I want you to imagine this with me today. You bring your friend and his family to church with you next Sunday. You walk um, up to the door, and a friendly person opens the door and greets them and greets you. And then as they walk down the hall, a family that's in the hall with their kids, maybe it's winter, they're taking their kids' coats off and busy kind of getting ready, and, but that family stops, and they take the time to introduce themselves and ask about your, the children of your friend. Then that person explains to them about our nursery and our kids' ministry and offers to show them where to take their children, invites them to, um, introduces them to all the leaders of the ministries where their kids have an option of going if they want to go there. Which, by the way, all those ministries that are running right now and run every single week are staffed every week with happy and loving ministers, people who volunteer their time every week to teach and to care for children. Then you take your friend into the cafe where they get a cup of coffee and in a, in a cheerful, clean room filled with people who take a moment to say hi and introduce themselves and they drink a cup of coffee that somebody else showed up an hour before church to make and to get everything ready for. And then just to the side of the cafe, an usher hands them a bulletin and asks them if they need anything and they'll explain anything that they have questions about about church. And then you lead your friend into the service where they meet many other warm and friendly people and they are impressed with all the people involved in worship and in sound and in technology and in ushering, all these people being involved in this, in this operation. And then they hear a biblical message that addresses real-life issues and explains the truths of the gospel. And when the service is over, they, found out, they find out that they are welcome to join us on Wednesday nights for all the ministries that are designed specifically to meet needs in their lives, all their classes, and, and are designed to, to help them. And they find out they're welcome to join a connect group if they want to get connected with other people. And that friend of yours then walks away being blessed. And maybe, listen, here's the point. Maybe for the first time in their life, beginning to doubt some of the misrepresentations 
that he or she has heard about Christians. Gallup did a poll recently and asked people on the street, what are the, what are the things you think of when you think of Christians? You know what the top three things were? That people in America think about people who say overtly, I am a Christian. You know what they are? Christians are judgmental. Christians are hypocrites. And Christians hate gays. That's how the world looks at people who say they're followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we know something. That's absolutely not true. That I know you people. You're not judgmental. You're not hypocritical. And you don't hate gays. That's the misconception that people have. And I sure hope it's always just nothing more than a misconception. Well, the door will begin to open to people understanding that that's not true, that they believe something not true, and that just maybe this Christian stuff is real when they encounter a group of people who ask completely different than that. That's why the church is such an important harvest tool. It it, 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 it dispels the misconceptions that people have about people who say that they're Christians. What an incredible outcome. But there's a question that that scenario brings up. And the question is this. What part of the equation did you fulfill today? Or will you fulfill next week? Or will you fulfill on Wednesday? Was it the usher? Or one who showed up two hours early to get the sound equipment set up? Or the one who went to the store to pick up the donuts? Or maybe make the coffee? See, it only goes from an imagined encounter that I just said was, was imagination to a real-life story when each of us gets plugged into the equation where we all work together to be a blessing to everyone that people bring into our doors. Does that make sense? That's one of the ways a church is a harvest tool. But God can dispel their misbeliefs by us acting the way I know we're made to act. But what else? What else should people experience when you bring them to Portview? The third thing is this. People should experience the reality of the presence of God. And I would say this for most people for the first time in their life. Psalm 22.3 says this. It says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabiteth the praises of Israel. And some translations say this, that inhabiteth the praises of your people. See, there's something very real about experiencing the presence of God among a group of people that are gathered together to love and to worship God. Here's what you understand. You can feel it. A lot of times when a person comes into worship, they say, people, there's, a, there's a trend out there today that says, you bring people into church that don't know God, really have a real vibrant relationship with Jesus, don't sing songs because they might think it's weird and they don't know the words. And I found this to be true. The exact opposite is true. When somebody comes into a group of people who are gathered to love and to worship God, they experience something. They feel something. And they go, I'm not exactly sure what I'm feeling, but I feel something that seems really real and really genuine. And what that something is, they can't put a label on it, that something is the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Because God's word is true. God indwells or inhabits the praises of his people. They can feel it. When we gather in his name, there is a sense in which we experience God's reality. And I think sometimes this becomes ordinary to us when we're used to it. But the one who has just, who has yet to meet God, really, this experience is often the single thing that pulls them towards receiving Christ. That moves them from an intellectual understanding of the gospel to an experiential understanding of the gospel. And people need both. They need, it needs to make sense. Because it does make sense. The gospel makes sense. But they need to experience the reality of God. You know, friends, I'll never forget 
Um, the first time I ever, after being a person who was raised in a church his whole life, but didn't really know Christ. The first time I went to a church where people were really gathered to worship and to, to love on God, I experienced the reality of God. I felt it. And that compelled me to turn my life toward serving Jesus Christ. In my experience, experiencing the reality of God's presence in a church family is often the final step in someone coming to Jesus. Often years of groundwork is done first by friends and family, but some, something special happens when you get people to church because God designed the church to be a harvest tool. That make sense? Number four. What's another thing people should experience at Portview? Number four, they should hear a practical, real-to-life biblical message that shows them that God's word has the answers for life. Friends, because God's word does have the answers. God's word is powerful. God's word breaks strongholds in people's lives. God's word gives people proper ways to live their life that will free them from a lot of the problems that, that they experience without understanding the truths of God's word. You see, I want you to be able to say to your friends, come to my church because we have something worthwhile going on. Our pastors preach messages that will help you go through life God's way, and God's way is always the best way. And they will always include the gospel message, that people need to know Jesus Christ and can, and can come to him at any day when they, when, they, when they hear his voice calling them. That's what we strive for every single week here, because we know it's God's word that penetrates the heart. Now, those four Things bring us to the final point. And the final thing that someone should experience when they are brought by a friend to Portview is this. They should take a step forward in their spiritual journey. They should take a step forward. Your friends are on a journey. We're all on a journey. One where God is continually pursuing us. It's like the stories of the Bible where someone, God says someone has a hundred sheep and one goes astray and the shepherd leaves a 99 to go for one. It's a picture of God pursuing the one that's not yet really in the family or is strayed from the family. Your friends are on a journey and God's pursuing them. And you are one of the answers, that, avenues rather, that God is using to pursue them through. He's using you. And God will use other people as well. And God will use your church as well. And the goal of all of these is to move the person along in their journey and especially to see them cross that line of faith by committing their lives to Jesus. Now, that seems like a daunting task. But here's what, to get people to that point, but here's what I want you to understand. Something that's going to just free you from kind of the pressure of saying, I'm part of the harvest and I need to see my friends and my family come to Jesus. And it's something called the Engel scale. You ever hear the Engel scale? Ever hear that? The Ingle scale? The Ingle scale looks like this. This is the baseline. We'll call that zero. We'll call this negative one, negative two, negative three, negative four, negative five, and it goes all the way down to negative ten. This is one, not negative, so one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to ten. Ingle says this about the spiritual journey and what our part is in the church as well as um, in just your involvement with people. That every person you encounter on a journey is somewhere on the scale. That some people are negative 10. They're way down here. Somehow something happened in their life and they've been led to believe that God hates them, that Jesus is rotten, that he's terrible, that I'd never be a Christian. That Christians are rotten, judgmental, gay haters. And that's what they believe. I want nothing to do with God. Somebody else you know is maybe a negative 2. They're over here. 
you know what, they understand some of the things of the gospel and, and they really do embrace it. They kind of live in America, which at least has an understanding of a Christian ethics. Maybe they were raised going to church, but they have nothing really to do with Jesus. But they would be like me at one point in my life where I said this. I said, I absolutely believe the Bible is God's word. I absolutely believe Jesus is real. I absolutely believe he died and rose again. I absolutely believe there's a heaven and a hell, but I absolutely didn't have a relationship with Christ. I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian. I had never yet given my life to Christ, had my sins forgiven, and entered a relationship where he was now my Savior, and I was following his leadership. So somebody's down here. Everybody you encounter is somewhere on their journey. Some are going this way, and some are going this way. They're all on a journey, a spiritual journey. What Engels says is that the job of us and the church is to simply help people go from a negative five to a negative four. And if they're at negative two, to go to negative one. That's all we're trying to do. What sometimes people think when they're trying to explain the gospel to people is they have to explain everything about the gospel and get them to this point right here. This point is where a person is saying, I understand I'm lost in my sin. I understand I can't do anything about it. But I understand that God loves me so much that he made a way for me to come to know him. He gave his son, Jesus who died in my place, I had a death penalty. The Bible says that because we've sinned, we deserve death. And, and Jesus understands that. And he goes, you know what, Mark? You do deserve death. But I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to die for it in your place. I'll take your death penalty. But then I'll rise again. And so, listen, death couldn't hold me. I have eternal life. I want to give you eternal life. We all want to be the person who prays this, per- this prayer with a person. And it's not really just a prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a life saying, I, I understand that I'm going to commit my life to Christ. We all want to be this person. But what Ingle says is, that's not our job. That might be your job, but your job really is to help somebody just take a step forward, just a step up, everybody you meet. So a lady in the coffee shop who's not a believer, and you go there every single day, the reason that you buy, you, you, you give her some baked goods and say, I want to build a relationship, is she needs to go from negative two to negative one. Because eventually you're going to say, you know what, I did that, and this is what I always say to people. Um, I, I, we... we we're at a restaurant this Sunday, or this, this weekend. We, had, we drove to Wichita and back to go to a conference, and uh, we just hit it off with this precious little African-American waitress. She's maybe 20 years old. She's in college, being an accountant, and we just loved her. So we gave her a huge tip, way bigger. We, we put a tip on a credit card, and then we gave her a bunch of cash in addition to that. Put it in there, and I wrote a note on the back of her thing. I just said, Jesus loves you, and I gave her the tip. I'll never see that girl ever again in my life. I felt it, and Suzanne goes, I think we're supposed to give her a bunch of money. So Suzanne brings out some more money. We put it in the thing and just put it, wrote a thing. Jesus loves you. That was it. Here's what I know. All I was trying to do is take her from a negative three to a negative two. Because someday something's going to happen where somebody, some Christian is going to be nice to her. Something else is going to happen. They're going to share their faith. She's going to be a negative two. And she's going to go, you know, there's some people who are Christians. And we had told her the, the school we were at, so she knew it was a Christian college where we were at for the conference. And she's going to go, those people were really nice. I've heard that they're judgmental and they hate gays and they are hypocrites but those people weren't and she takes a step up and then somebody else starts at that point and shares something and they go a step up see because when you really meet jesus and you really meet god's real followers you don't really have much of a why else would you anything else other than just go up because god's god is great and he does great things through his people and so people advance in the skill so our role in life is to go through life and simply help people take a step up towards God. And this is where they come to say, I want Jesus to be the Savior of my life. I want to commit my life to following his leadership. 
Now, the, the 1 to 10 is then, once a person comes to Christ, it doesn't stop there. And I'm probably going to preach a message on that in a little while. On now, what's your role, if you help them come to this point, what's your role now in helping them now advance in their walk with Jesus? Because here, their Bible describes a person as a baby. It says you're just a baby. That's a, the Bible's words. A baby Christian. You don't really know a whole lot. You know enough to come to Christ, but now you need to advance in your, in your walk with Jesus. And it's the church's job. Church meaning people of God's job to help people now advance in their walk with God. So when a person comes, when, when you have an encounter with people, all you're trying to really do is help them advance, help us stuff. Here's what I know. If we will fulfill those, those four things that I just said, when you bring your friends to church on Sunday, you know what's going to happen? People are going to take a step towards God. It might not be today that they accept Christ. But they're going to go, this is really real. Those people are really nice. I, exp- I experienced the presence of God. I heard God's word that says, you know what? This makes sense. God, God and his word makes sense. And they move up along the scale. Now, not everybody's going to be part of seeing somebody cross the line. That's okay. Every step is just as important as every other step. Going from negative 10 to negative 9 is just as important from going from negative 1 to 0. It's just as important. Every single one moves up. Here's one of the things I get as a pastor and I get people in a public setting often opportunities to receive Jesus as their Savior. So I get to help people pray through that and act upon the call of God and receive Jesus. And people go, oh, you lead so many people to Christ. And they go, no, I don't. These people did. All this work, years of, of great examples, years of loving people, years of explaining things that they didn't understand. I just get to help them cross the line. You know, so from negative 10 to negative 9 is no, no less important than from from negative one to zero. Every single step is just important. God's church is one of the best tools to move people along and bring in the harvest. It's one of the best tools they are. And if we will all catch the vision for for the fact that people really need God and they really matter to God, and we'll lift up our eyes, as the scripture says, and look on the harvest that's all around us, God will change people's lives through us corporately in this place. Now, he does it already next week. It's part of the Harvest series. We're gonna, we have at least seven people who will be publicly water baptized. Six are adults um, who are publicly water baptized, who have come to Jesus as adults recently in our church and saying, or associated with our church and are saying, I want to serve Jesus. Something that's going on every day in our church. People moving up the scale. It's exciting. So the church is a harvest tool. Does that make sense? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, maybe someone brought you here today, and maybe you have, for the first time in your life, begin to have some of your ideas of all Christians shaken. You go, you mean these people gather together, they raise all kinds of money to build houses in Mexico, they raise money, we, send, we do hundreds of shoeboxes, we spend thousands of dollars. We say, you know what, we could spend that on anything else, but what do you do? We give it away. Last year as a church, our, our total giving just to missions was over $100,000 from this church. You know, saying, let's just give money away to people in need all around the world. Um, you go, you know what, maybe these, lot, these things I've been taught about Christians, I've been told they're kind of wild-eyed, crazy people that, that what they really, what they really uh, do is they're just judgmental and hypocritical, and, they, and it's kind of interesting, and they hate gays. That was the three. And you go, that's not true. Everybody's welcome. We want everybody to meet Jesus. Maybe a little crack's happened in your thinking. Maybe for the first time you've come in here and you experience something. You go, you know what? Um, when we sang those songs, I literally felt something inside. 
Friends, look, that is the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. And maybe today or maybe sometime in the future, you're going to say, you know what, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. We would love to be part of that. Come and talk to myself, talk to Pastor Mitch. We'd love to discuss that with you and explain it so we can answer all your questions. You can receive Christ as your Savior. You can commit to His leadership. Maybe that's why you're here today. But there's one thing else I know today, church. We're all here today because God wants us to be part of the part of the church, part of this great mission as we work together, as we commit together, this great mission of helping people experience the reality of God in this church. And as we close, what I want you to simply do is I want you to open up your hearts and say, God, what part do I play at Portland? Where do you want me to get engaged? How do you want me to be involved so that we can accomplish God's plan for His church? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He will. And let them just, just follow His lead. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Don't forget that if you want to go to the Mexico trip, the meeting will be immediately after church in room 6. Love to have you there talk about how we're going to share God's love around the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for being real. Thank you, God, for, for embracing us, for pursuing us. God, thank you that you've you've formed us together as a church. God, there's all kinds of great churches around. You you picked us by name and you put us in this place. And you've created a situation where you want to use us to help other people come to know that you're real. God, we commit to that. Speak to our hearts and show us how you want us to commit to that. What what uniquely you've created each of us to do. So we can use our our great gifts and and our special things that we just love to do to serve you with all of our hearts. That as those things all melt together and merge together, it creates just a wonderful place for people to, to experience love and some people who don't know you to experience the love of your love for the first time. Father, we commit that as we move forward as a congregation that you will, that we will follow your lead. We'll become the people. Do the things that you want us to do for your glory. So that you can, this church can be a great harvest. In 